everybody. Welcome to Between the Horns. It is Sunday, July 28th. DeMarco Farr is here with me, Miles Simmons. It is about 2 o'clock Pacific time here. We are a couple hours away from the start of the second practice of 2019 yes. training camp. We have far. a spy in our midst, though. A spy yeah, in our I'm midst. looking over my right shoulder. What are you doing here, sir? <laughs> That's funny. You show up right when we start the show, huh? See? He doesn't talk to media, but he, he eavesdrops. Media, I love it. He can eavesdrop. Yes. That's all right. I mean, Good how, people. Yeah. Where, where do you think you are now, DeMarco, at, uh, in terms of number of training camps you've been to? Oh, man. As, I, a, as a player, coach, you know, when you were over in Europe, broadcaster. One, two, three, four, high school. One, two, three, four, five, pro. Gotcha. Uh, Don't forget college. Or, or, uh, college. Seven as a pro. Yeah. Um, so that's... And then, God, what year is this for me now? So uh, since 09, like proper... Well, it's I don't know. I mean, That's they told 11. me that they told me there'd be no math a lot. So I don't know why. I don't What's know. Question? I just, that 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 was the question. Oh yeah, you know, just I thought, going over how many you've been to. Well, I thought about this a lot, and it's fun, and you know, doing the media side of it, and how everyone thinks of things in snapshots. So it's year to year, day to day, month to month, what have you. But when you put it all together, and you. And you go back to where you began, how training camps were and what the play of the day was then to where it is now. And you start to think about the evolution of football. It's been unbelievable. Yes. It really has. Uh, the the technology side of it, how everything's changed because of technology, how how you coach players, you know, and, and what they need to be successful, that's changed. Um, even the athlete has changed, so to speak. So it's it's been a while. It's been fun. Um, but it's still just football, dude. I mean, it's dudes putting on helmets shoulder pads and you're going after a football you got end zones on both sides mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. so not much has changed in that regard but a lot has changed inside that 53 by 100 uh, no, no doubt about it all right so we've got plenty to get to today in terms of first impressions what we'd like to see the rest of camp and then uh, we actually got an announcement to make at the end of the show as well but let's start yeah. with Sean McVay and Les Snead both of them mm. receive contract extensions through the 2023 season so what is what do you think that says about the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, excited. Uh, it's great. You know, you, you think about the years of instability where you had question marks or, you know, most people when you talked about Rams football anywhere on any medium, um, they had question marks about the GM or the head coach or, you know, the sanity of both, you know, for keeping them or hiring them, right? <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes. So yes. this is good um, t- where everyone's on board. Uh, you you sign a red-hot head coach, you, you keep him under contract, and you keep a GM, to me, that had one of the be- better resurrections in football that we've ever seen. Remember, he first it was Les and Jeff, and then Les separated himself from Jeff. Uh, from Jeff, and then it became or you could say the opposite or the opposite, and then it became McVeigh and Les, and they're doing great. They went to the Super Bowl and they've raised the bar. So you know, it's it's the it was a no brainer for the Rams to extend Sean McVeigh, and I'm I, I'm overjoyed for Les Need that he's you know tied in, and you've got the same sort of leeway. Yeah. I- I, I would agree. I think what's been really good to see is just how those two work together. Mm-hmm. Their partnership, their chemistry is so good. Yeah. And, you know, I've been able to sit in the draft room. I've, I've been privileged enough to do that over the last few years. And to see the way that they bounce ideas back and forth off of each other, they might not always agree mm-hmm. on exactly what they're doing, but they always have what's best for the Los Angeles Rams in mind. And I think because of that, discussions are healthy and productive. Yeah. And they always always get to the bottom of whatever it is that they need to do and then that's how they then go forward and so everything becomes a consensus I'm with you I think it's the right mix for both because they're cutting edge they're modern they try new things but they're also rooted in what this game really is and what it's about Yeah. and you can hear that in how they talk about the games and the players they they, they select for the team Uh, but as far as being on the cutting edge like analytics and and all that sort of stuff uh, how you track and train players is, is always forward thinking I think they're both in agreement there so there's no friction between both guys you know what I mean right yeah so they may have different ideas or different opinions about certain players certain plays certain groups what have you uh, but they but it's always within the same 
mindset of let's take this thing a step beyond where we are now. Right. It, it's, it goes back to what McVeigh says all the time, which yeah. is about communication, right? It should mm-hmm. be clear, open, honest, and ongoing. Right. And you can tell that the two of those guys pretty much always have that kind of dialogue. No They're doubt. They're always I, thinking about it. They're always constantly communicating. But I would love to be in a room when there's no microphones, when it's just those two guys, because I think that might be hilarious. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You know, because you know how Les likes to talk about football and, yes. you know, he'll take you on a little journey sometimes. Yes. Right? And McVeigh will just cut right through it. So Yes. That might be fun when we're not there. <laughs> I, I can, I will tell you this, that when the camera, when the microphones have been on yeah. them, um, sometimes, you know, between when we're doing draft stuff or whatever, they will sometimes leave the room and then they'll have private conversations yeah, yeah. and they will geek out over film they're watching together. And it's like, you can just hear the joy in their voice, the excitement in their voices right. about what it is that they're watching. So like that, again, that partnership, um, you know, talking to different people, around the organization it's pretty clear that they wanted to be together they want to continue the partnership that they have and I think when you've got two people who can spearhead a football organization as right. they have, that's exactly what you want. The Rams no, are in yeah. good shape. And I think the, the the term of the contract is exactly right because, you know, guys are going to grow, people are going to change, things are going to change. I mean, if you wind up winning two Super Bowls within that that time frame, you know, a lot has gone to change in that time. So no we'll doubt. see. But I, th- I think the time frame is exactly right with them. But, you know, they... They haven't made too many missteps in the last couple of seasons. They certainly uh, have. Going into 2019, I think everyone is confident in the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, there's we, we talked about it on I don't know how many podcasts um, about position battles. There aren't many. I mean, right. that's good. That's the way it should be. So I'm, they've been right a lot more than they've been wrong. So, you know, you hope training camp goes well so you can get into the, the regular season with what you think your football team looks like right now. Uh, absolutely. So the next thing that or the next player or person, whatever you want to call it, that it seems to be in line for a contract extension is the quarterback yeah, in yeah. Jared Goff. No doubt. And so it's interesting. That could happen this month. It could happen in next week. It could happen next year. Right. But I think when Les Snead says in that press conference on whatever day it was, and boy, we're in training camp, so I don't know what the days are. Yeah, yeah. But I think it must have been on Friday. Um, he says about Jared Goff's extension, it's a matter of when, not if. Well, yeah, I mean. It's, and that's obvious. Right. But it's, it's interesting to hear the GM say it just that plain. Well, I mean, just to be honest, with all due respect, we always respect people that play this game, right? No matter how we feel about their performance. Mm-hmm. We don't attack people. We attack performance. So Agreed. some of the other guys that are sitting on these fat generational contracts, like, wow, if that guy's getting paid that much, then how much are you going to have to pay Jared Goff at some point? Because think about his last two years. Rookie year, 0-7. The next year goes to the Pro Bowl. The year after that goes to the Super Bowl. And his numbers keep improving. So if everything goes with or goes how we think it's going to go and he improves this year, well, I mean, look, if you're paying this guy X, then you're you're going to have to pay him something similar, if not more. Right. So, yeah, it is a matter of, of when or if or, or whatever. When, not if. Yes. When, not if. I mean, I, I think he's earned it. I think he's knocking on the door of becoming one of those elite franchise quarterbacks I think he's on the way of people when when you see a touchdown pass I think you're going to say wow what a pass by Koff and not wow what a great play by McVay Mm. I think he's moving into that realm which makes you one of the best quarterbacks out there it does and I think that sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for plays like that and Mm. I don't want to take away from what Sean McVay has done because obviously Sean McVay has become one of the elite offensive play callers in the game in just a a few years but I think if you go back to week four Mm -hmm. against the Vikings last year there were plays that Goff was making off schedule in addition to the great plays that he was executing from Sean McVay so it's both. That's so funny. I mean, we always point to that one game, the the perfect passer rating, I believe, wasn't it yes, that game? Yes, 158.3. Okay, that was one game. Now, right. I'd like to see four or five of those. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, you know, you're not going to see, there have only been something like 18 or Maybe 20. Maybe not a perfect passer yeah, rating, but. of those, like, where you those, also have 75% completion rate, three touchdowns or more. It was, there was some right. stat that that only happened, you know, X amount of Where time. you dominate the weekend sports talk shows. Yeah. You know, every TV show, anybody talking about the NFL starts and ends with your highlights. Right. You know, uh, back to back to back, game in and game out. So, I mean, I think that's where you're headed with a guy that's had that many reps as a starter, that many successful reps with good weapons around you. 
you know, I, when I read that maybe Jared Goff's going to regress, I'm, what makes you say that? Right. Uh, why? And, you know, and there's a good point. The, the O-line. If you think there's going to be, you know, problems with the O-line because you lost Sully and you lost uh, uh, you lost Saffold. Roger Saffold and you're putting in two guys that haven't started a game, that's fair. But, right. w- but when you point at Jared Goff and say he's going to regress, well, well, give me some how and whys. Right. Yeah. Because I, I don't see it so far. I, I don't either. And, you know, I think you make a good point. If That's the game we always go to. But I think if you look at the NFC Championship game mm-hmm. as well, there were a bunch of plays in that one where Jared Goff was able to make off-schedule plays. Mm-hmm. That third down throw he made rolling to his right uh, to Gerald Everett, and then Gerald Everett rumbles down the field. Right? Yeah. Those, that's one of them. He made some off-schedule plays, if I'm remembering correctly, to Tyler Higby, too. So we have seen Jared Goff continue to take those steps, and I think that you're absolutely right. Where you're not necessarily going to see him regress as a pure passer, right? Mm-hmm. Because right now you've got so much continuity in the skill positions. Right. All those guys that started for you last year are back. The only place where you have to integrate somebody new is on the offensive line. Right. So and if you want to point there, then I yes, get that. Yes, that's that's valid. Interior pressure is yeah. what messes up every single quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and most of those people I'm talking about, I'm still trying to convince or have a, a long conversation about system quarterback. Oh you know, what I mean? it's the same people saying the same stuff. Yeah. So, but it, it is what it is. But I mean, it seems like, like you said, the athletic plays that we see, where you make plays off schedule, uh, maybe that's what it will take. Uh, and we, you've heard this before about quarterbacks in college that are surrounded by, you know, a bunch of day one guys. Mm-hmm. You know, handing off to day one people, throwing the day one receivers. Like right. Any so, LSU quarterback in the era of, you know, right. uh, so, Jarvis Landry and Odell. So how do you know how good that quarterback really is? So I think they'd like to see some struggle and then pulling the team back from being down 17 and winning the game in the sure. fourth quarter that sort of stuff well, maybe if, that wins people if over. they had completed the comeback against the eagles then maybe that would have quelled some of those yeah. questions or i mean like you know in the super bowl the same thing you yeah. had there were chances or plays that could have been made that weren't so maybe that's what would have put people over the hump but i mean look sean McVay knows the first thing you, he does when we talk about a game where his quarterback is points out the things that J- that jared does well you know what i mean yes takes the, the the credit away from him and puts it on his quarterback and i would say 70% of the time, it's not just coach speak. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I do. I think you're right. So it is definitely going to be interesting to see that kind of progression from Jared Goff as we go through training camp and then um, into the regular season as well. But well, let's talk more about training camp because it was the first day yesterday, first practice. What were your first impressions of these 2019 Rams? Uh, you, just trying to get a feel. I was on the air. You so were. Yeah, I was far away. But just trying to get a feel for you know, what type of training camp it was going to be. And I was having this discussion on the way to the podcast. Like, how do you handle getting an NFC championship ring? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you treat that as a player? What's the best way to handle that? You know what I mean? And that's always tough because you're handing out the silver. Instead of the gold. Right. You know, so that's the first thing I wanted to see. How are these guys going to take the field? And from what I saw, nothing but enthusiasm. Agreed. Yeah, they. everyone seemed to be happy they were back doing football things. That's the first thing that jumped out at me. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it was the tempo. Yeah. And we were used to seeing Sean McVay practices. Things go fast. You better be on the hop, going in and out of the huddle, mm-hmm. going from the, the field to the sideline if you're getting water. Um, and I think we continue to see that. It, it didn't look any different than a Sean McVay practice has looked over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty encouraging. Yeah. yeah. You know, it is. It's funny. The, the football field, it's the most important thing in your life, but it's the one thing you don't want to spend that much time on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when you think about it, right? So yes. the faster you go, the better, which means you're not making many mistakes. You're getting a lot of things done. You're taking it from the meeting room to the practice field, and you don't have to have a lot of repeats. Right. That means everybody's engaged and everybody's on the same page. That is encouraging. And you're having fun at the same time. Sure. You know, and this is the debate we were having about when you told me that uh, that Last Chance You was great TV. It was. It was great TV. It's depressing as hell. It is. Uh, you're, you shouldn't have to be screamed at to come out here and practice and have fun. This is supposed to be about <laughs> yeah. fun. You know? It, it's, it's, you don't take your money on the field. 
That's right. what I mean. You're right. supposed to be right. having right. fun playing this game. Well, and it's supposed to be something that's not, that you feel good about doing, and it shouldn't be a chore. Right. And it shouldn't be, man, I have to, I know I need to do this in order to, you know, get out of a certain situation or what have you. What was the guy's name? The ESPYs just came. The, the, was it Jim Calhoun that had the great speech about... Uh, Jim, Jimmy Valvano? No, Jim Cal... The, 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 it was a basketball coach. I think it was Calhoun this year. Oh, I, and he I said, didn't watch it this year, I'll be honest I think with you. He, he coached for like 19 years at okay. UConn, and he said he oh, yeah. it never Jim felt Calhoun. like a day of work. Like he's never been to work a day in his life. That's the way sports is supposed to be. Sure. Yes. That's what I got out of yesterday. It seemed fun, you know? You ever been to those... Where they put on the armor and they do the, uh, the the medieval times thing? I'm not. I have no interest. Well, in it's that. it's fun. Everybody's having fun. It's great. It's you're out there watching, you know, football practice. But it seems like a carnival atmosphere. But there's actual work being done. Right. You know that. That's awesome. Yes. That's the way it should be. It's nice to be a winning football team. It is. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, too, right? When you are a winning football team, you can tell the difference between a losing football team and practice. Yeah. Ball doesn't hit the ground right. on winning football teams. Right? right. You hear things like, if you're walking, you're wrong. Right. On winning football teams. You don't see guys sitting around, slouching, doing whatever. Right. You know, people are engaged. Yeah. They're talking to their coaches on the sideline. They're talking to their teammates on the sideline. Wow. And I, obviously we know this because we've seen it back and forth, right? Yeah, I, right? I think going from a 2016 training camp to a 2019 training camp, and you look at things side by side, right? You, you look at that picture, yeah. you can easily tell this one is the winning football team, this one is not. You know, a properly run football camp, in my opinion, everyone's doing something every 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, You're on if you're on a knee and resting, it should... You should be out for no more than 30 seconds until you're doing something else. So, you know, when you see a bunch of guys standing around, it's like, wow. I mean, practice is long. It sometimes feels like it's a long time when it's two hours, but it's not that much. It's two hours in your day. Right. So there shouldn't be times where guys are just standing around watching. Yes. You know, uh, if you're not in, you should be mentally engaged in what your backup or the guy in front of you is doing. You no know doubt. what I mean? No doubt. Yeah. I mean,. <laughs> You only have two hours a day to get this stuff right. You know what I mean? And then on the other side, you only have two hours, so please stop screwing up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't want to make this three hours. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think when you see the way, you know, the ball's not hitting the ground, it, everything is crisp, it, it's a reflection of what Jared Goff said in his press conference yesterday, which was the fact that it really felt like they were picking things up where they left off before. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, we mentioned this earlier a little bit, but the skill play are the same. Mm-hmm. So because of that, you've got Brandon Cooks back. You've got Robert Woods back, who just got uh, his bonuses converted into actual salary. So congratulations to him All right. on that. Yes, that's great. Uh, you have Cooper Cup back, who looked great yesterday mm-hmm. coming off the ACL injury. Todd Gurley also back. So Malcolm Brown. So you have guys that you have been playing with. So that's why things can look crisp. They can look sharp. They Mm -hmm. can look like, okay, we know exactly what we're doing. Now we have to fine-tune the little things to make ourselves better. You know, having cut back is going to be awesome. Um, And you think about how the Rams play. They play in 11, you know, personnel, one tight end, one back, pretty much the whole game. So, you know, that puts that nickel on the field pretty much the whole game. Yes. Well, you better have one awesome nickel because of – Number one, you're out there and you're going to have to play the part of a linebacker half the time. Get in there and put your nose in there and make a play. You, you may be blocked by a guard. Now, remember, this is a corner or a safety. Yes. So he's got you outweighed by, you know, 60, 70, sometimes 100 pounds, maybe more. Uh, so you have to be tough enough to handle that and smart enough to make the right fit so the run doesn't pop. Exactly. You know, no one's expecting a corner to run through a guard to make a play, but at least you have to fit it correctly so the other bigs can make plays. So that guy has to be off. Then you put in Cooper Cup. And to me, what makes him special from every other slot receiver right now is his blocking. Yeah. Like his first five steps all off the line all look the same. Yep. So you don't know if he's blocking you or trying to run a route until he gets to you. And then it's too late. You know what I mean? He can make the move to get open or he can get his hands on you and, you know, seal the edge so Gurley will pop. Um, so, I mean, just having him back, having one of the better football players on the team back in uniform, awesome. But for an offense, for Jared Goff, I mean, dude, that's that's invaluable. 
you, you can't put a price tag on that sort of guy coming back to the offense. Well, it, An already good offense. Yes, yes, exactly, because it, it's sort of easy to forget you did lose one of the best players on the offense and still were able to get an NFC championship out. Yeah. it's Like, that says a lot about the kind of quality depth that the Rams have. Well, this is why I like guys like him, and I understand about, like, trying to learn – the concepts and what they're teaching you and how to implement that on the field and sometimes how that can just lock your brain as a player. Mm-hmm. It just robs you of your, your your instinctiveness as an athlete, right? Yes. So then you have a guy, like, all he's trying to do is learn where to line up and what his responsibilities are. You can't tell him about the concepts or the philosophy because that will overload him. So just give him his responsibility and let's hope. Then you have guys like Cooper Cup who can take his responsibility, digest that, and then take it into the concept. So not only do I know what I need to do on this play, I know how I can help this other guy here so we can spring the play. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's the stuff you can't teach. That's the stuff where a coach actually learns from the player. Well, it's funny. You think about that, and I think about Sean McVay and how he says that he learned to see the game from a 22-man perspective Uh from John Gruden. So what what I mean by that, that that means you have a player or or a coach who doesn't just think of it offense versus defense or defense versus offense, right? Like, you see it from the standpoint of if the offense does this, the defense is going to try to counter that with this, Right. right? So I think that's basically what you're saying about Cooper Cup. He can see the game from the 22-man perspective, and that's not common as a wide receiver. Not at all. I'll I'll give you an example, right? we, me and Kevin Carter way back in the day, we're going to run a stunt where he's coming underneath, right? Sure. So what I do is I start shouting at the offensive tackle, start calling him names out of the blue, <laughs> just to just to draw his attention, to get him to say something to me, right? Just a little bit to get him to vary his set, to get his attention off Kevin for a hot minute. Because if he really has a chance to get in his stance and read Kevin, he can see in his stance that he's not coming. Right. So maybe I can get him off just a little bit more off his game, off his focus, and we can get the game home same thing with Cooper Cup like if he knows we're going to give it to Todd Gurley on a perimeter play right so I have to go and block this nickel well he's got Andrew Whitworth has Frank Clark to that side he's coming off the rock like a scalded dog let me give him a little bluff to freeze him so Witt can make the block and I can go get my guy and out goes Todd Gurley that's the stuff that's not taught that's the stuff that's born of a great football player Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean yes yeah so when you have that on the field and a head coach that feels the same way, wow, that's what I mean. Having cut back in this offense on this football team is is, is, is immeasurable. It, it is. just makes you better. It, yeah. it, it is, and it also allows Robert Woods to play his more natural position. And when we say that, it's not that Robert Woods did a poor job filling no. in for Cooper Cup because he didn't. He was great. Right. He was terrific. I mean, he had 1,200 yards receiving, but... It, the offense is better when Cup is out there, when Woods is out there, and when and, and when Brandon Cooks is out there. And so when you have that trio, it, it's why I know Sean McVay has said, you know, I, they would like to be able to rotate more guys in offensively. Mm-hmm. So You're gonna those have to. three yeah. aren't playing the entire time, and maybe you will have to. And Josh Reynolds has definitely emerged. Yeah, you, I mean, he's made play after play, right? He had five touchdowns last season. Right. So it's not like he's a slouch. And so. How many could he have had, though? I don't know. Well, at least one more. At least one more. If his, yeah. if his big toe like was just like a half inch shorter yeah. in that Kansas City game. You know, I mean, that's that's a rough one for him. And, I mean, to, to, to get targets, well, that's tough. To get on the field is hard. To get in tar- this offense, you mean? In this yes, offense yeah. with these three guys. To get on the field is tough. To get targets when you're out there is even tougher. Yeah. Because what's your number one, two, and third best option? You know, if you're Jared Goff, right? So you're going to have to fight for every single target and every single rep that you get. But I tell you what, you can earn it out here. You can earn it from Sean McVay. Hey, look, I like in certain situations, I think we have a play, a guaranteed play in Josh Reynolds because of how he runs this route and his size. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. So he can carve out a niche, maybe not be a starter, but... You can be the most important guy, say, on third down that the Rams have. Well, right, and that's certainly something that the Rams don't necessarily have with Cooks, with Woods, with Cup, is the Josh Reynolds size. Mm-hmm. He's six foot three and has that great wingspan. Right. And he knows how to use it. 
unlike some other 6'3 receivers that we've seen on these fields in the past. No doubt. So that, to me, is, as I agree with you, that's where he can carve out that kind of niche where maybe it's you're the red zone target, Mm -hmm. right? You, Gerald Everett, you know, both of those guys can be the matchup nightmares for the Rams in the red zone where they need to be productive and score. No doubt, right. I mean, if you feel confident in Josh Reynolds that you can send him out and as a starter, whenever you see a shrimp corner, a 5'8 guy, Right, that's pretty good. Shrimp corner. You know what I mean? A five eight guy. I mean, he he could be a dynamite player, but he's not very tall. So there's going to be an advantage if you have a six four receiver, six three six four receiver that can leap. Right. Yes. So I mean, when Josh Reynolds looks at the 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 breakdown and the roster of the other football team, and he sees who's starting, anybody under six feet, he should salivate. Yeah. At some point in the game, I'm going to be matched up against that guy. Yeah. And I'm going to be expected to beat him. For sure. And and you need to be 100% in those situations. Yes, and I I think that given the experience he got last year, the Rams can certainly trust him to do that. No doubt. Just like in basketball, if a power forward gets it on the block against the point guard, uh, you drive. You, you Right, and you sh- you have to score in that situation. Yes. Same thing. That should be his mentality. Yes. Uh, one more thing about Cooper Cup, though. Just modern medicine, man. You know, like, it oh. doesn't seem like maybe five, six years ago, yeah. players could return from a torn ACL as quickly as Cup is returning right now. Think about it. This is yeah. not even nine. It it's barely nine months, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's November. It was November, mid-November, that he tore the ACL uh, week ten against that against the Seattle Seahawks. So now he is back. He is basically able to be a full participant in practice. And the Rams are going to monitor his workload throughout the course of uh, August and make sure he is best prepared for competition and performance in week one. But you look yesterday, Mm -hmm. he's going down the left seam. He leaps up, he makes a catch, and it's almost like, okay, you know, that's where he is. Right. Uh, Look, I mean, it's it's a credit to modern science, like you said. I think they're they're getting better with that surgery or this is the best they're ever going to get repairing that sort of injury. Yeah. But you also have to give credit to the athlete. You and, know what I mean? And and the Rams training staff. And the Rams training led staff. By, led by Reggie Scott, um, Byron Cunningham. And how football is today where your training room is not just ice bags and, and whirlpools. Right. You know, it's functional. It's getting you stronger while you're getting healthy. So uh, medical science is caught up and there's a great game plan on how to treat this surgery, you yes, know? Yes, And then you have the athlete that, I mean, look, the guy's going to heal himself. You know, you better heal him or he's going to go back out there with dragging his leg. That's mm-hmm. how much he wants to play. So, you know, credit to all three that he's coming back. But, I mean, I think at some point we're going to stop being surprised guys are making it back this soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's almost it's, gonna, you're going to start to expect it. Right. Right. And that's yeah. that's crazy just based on the, the nature of the surgery. No doubt. Um, But also, I mean, I don't want to say speaking of ACLs, but speaking of ACLs, Todd Gurley mm-hmm. is back. Um, and he is on the field now. He did not participate in the Rams offseason program, basically the on-field portions there. But now it is really good to see him on the field. You know, I, I took a video yesterday, put it on Twitter, of him basically taking his first handoff since February mm-hmm. from Jared Goff. And then he get a little burst, got a little explosion, and went down the field. So it's good to see him practicing. And he says he feels good. Good. I mean, I, that's the way you should feel after an off season. Yeah. You know, practice. This, <laughs> no, this no. Is, this, honestly, yesterday should be as good as you're going to feel well, for the entire season. When they right? put the pads on, when they put the pads on for the first time and actually start, you know, banging into each yeah. other. Yeah. That the the day before or the minute before is the best you're going to feel until February. Okay. After that first hit, you know, something's going to be off. You know, <laughs> there's going to be a scratch that you that just won't heal. You, you, you get the, have the you scratch start- here. On like where you're, you see, you're pointing. This your, is great for our radio audience. Your tomorrow. orbital bone, your eye. Yeah, right above the eyebrow. Yeah, that where you put your helmet on. Yeah. Every time you put your helmet on, it's you, just like you open the wound. <laughs> yeah, I hate those. Oh my god, I used to get those in college on the first day. Oh, I was determined from then on never to have another scratch. I would like paint my face with Vaseline, like a boxer. That would that prevents scratches. I I, honestly, uh, I was trying. I didn't want it. I don't it, know. it sucked so bad. It opened every day. I bled every day. From that area. It just makes you a sour person. It really does. There are a lot of things that make me a sour person, just, so you can imagine how I would feel with that. Well, just imagine. <laughs> Especially, I don't know how you sleep, but if you sleep on that side. I do. I usually do sleep that's on my right what I, side. I, yeah. I cut every single day. It sucks. Oh, and sometimes you forget, or somebody whacks you in the head right there, and it's, uh, it just makes you a bad... Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, not to go on. Those hot summer days in training camp with a cut on your head. Especially if it's humid. Uh, you want to know why people start fighting in training camp? It's because of stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Every, that, everything just bothers that you. That first pain. Uh, someone spikes your toe. You know what I mean? And yes. then on the very next play, someone spikes it again in the same exact place. We're going. <laughs> I, I just I just gotta I just gotta have you right then and there. Yeah. We're, we're done with this? Yeah, nothing personal. I'm just gonna sock you in the face until I can't feel my toe. Okay. Yeah. And then it's over. And then we'll go have lunch at the mess hall and we'll talk about stuff. But yeah, and, and it'll be all right. Yeah. Just let me get it out. Um, yes. But I, I think to get back to Todd Gurley. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. That's what we were talking oh, about. Do you remember? Right. Yeah, it's okay. Your your toe started hurting. Dude, again. I mean, just that little cut. Just that like, little oh, cut. my God. It just makes you so, it just uh, ugly. Ugly. Ugly people. It just makes you mean. It really does. You've never <laughs> had that. Okay, never mind. I, like I said, thing, other things. You don't see red jerseys anymore in practice. You may like hit the backup quarterback yeah yeah or the quarterback no one cares about you may right. hit him in practice just well you're not you're, mad. you're definitely not supposed to hit the quarterback in practice no but you're just trying to start a fight you know why because you have a cut on your forehead yes it's you, not you probably but anyway are. go ahead a- anyway but yes it's good to see Gurley use that speed use that explosion use that power no in doubt in order to really show that yes i can at least run the football right like i put that on twitter and then you yeah. start getting the responses like oh i was told his knee is awful he's never going to be able to run again like and it's not just the case but again the rams do have a plan in place as you can probably hear the music in the background now as people start to file in for Mm. this practice anyway there's a plan in place for what todd Gurley can do to keep him as healthy as possible over the course of the season now sean McVay and then todd Gurley said that this is basically the veteran rest plan right? right we've seen this from guys like andrew whitworth in the past you could say like john sullivan roger saffold i believe they did it with last year you know so it's basically you're not going to practice every day when you're practicing we need to get the most out of you but also we're going to be aware that your body is our is is what we need no doubt and Um, we have to have you healthy well this is where like todd Gurley, the athlete the the i used to hear this way back in the day miles you are your briefcase you are your own business you're your corporation so this is when you start investing in yourself right Uh, when you start buying the hyperbaric chamber that's in your house yeah you start like every day for you regardless if you're on the medical report the trainer's list every day is about treatment for you right that's just how it is um so i think some of this you know todd Gurley's knee all this is a little overblown and there's a part of me that knows he probably likes people speculating it fuels him Yes. You doubt me if you want, right? Yes. Uh, don't pick me in fantasy and at your own peril and pay for it later, right? Yes. So yes. when I see him take the field, look like Todd Gurley, it is what it is. That arthritis or whatever we're talking about is there, sure, but it's not like he can't play through it. And I'm confident being down there. Some of Todd Gurley's best days were probably probably some of the days where he felt the worst. So he can play with this. Yes. You know what I mean? But every now and then, you know, with with injuries, sometimes they get you and you have to take some time off. Yes. But as long as everyone's on the same page and he's on the same page about his career, yeah, some of this stuff is really overblown. I, I would agree with you. But the other element to this now is the fact that the Rams have two more backs, basically, it mm-hmm. seems like, that they're going to be able to trust and believe in and put in in different situations, right? right. Like, no doubt. So you obviously know what Malcolm Brown can do. We've seen that for the past couple of years, and he's been really, really great. But now you also have the element of Daryl Henderson. And obviously, like, you don't know what you're going to have in a rookie until he gets out there on the field and he has to perform when the lights are on, right? Right. But I'll tell you, just watching him, even in yesterday's practice with no pads, what he can do is impressive. Dude's got some gas, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, if he ever gets loose on the edge, and I'll just say when he gets loose on the edge, in preseason, it's almost a guarantee. I mean, seriously, one of these preseason games, you're going to be facing a bonehead defensive end that makes the wrong choice, and out and away we go. And I say this, if he gets loose in the second level, you won't get him. That's that's the kind of jets he has. Or if if you do get him on an angle, that safety can also run. The kid can flat out fly. I will ask you this. Should Daryl Henderson be in the top three in rushing yards for preseason this top three yeah uh wow. i won't say lead i won't say lead the nfl because who knows how much he's going to play or I, not that's but that's do tough think, i don't know do you think he realistically he could be in that top just based on the fact that he's probably going to play yeah 
I don't know. I'll I say don't think this. we'll see much of Brown, and we're not going to see Gurley. I, I, I'm confident in saying this. I would bet your hat, the one, the dirty hat that you put on this table right in front to, of us. Why do you have to call it? It nobody, is dirty. Nobody don't, can tell it. If you're going to if if you're you're present a white hat, make sure it's clean. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. But I would bet that dirty hat of yours okay. that he'll probably have one of the longest rushing run, rush attempts of the preseason. Okay. Yeah. I like that. At some point, it's going to get blocked up well because it's all vanilla. Yes. Right? So you think about him last year at Memphis. It got complicated trying to stop him, and he still beat it. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to be playing in the preseason against better athletes, so to speak, but the defenses aren't going to be as complicated. At some point, he's going to hit one like a scalded dog and be gone. It, this is a guy who averaged 8.9 yards per carry over two seasons at Memphis. So yeah. we talk about the explosion and how he can get loose and then get down the field. Yes, I would think that that's something he can definitely do. No doubt. When Derrick Henry came out, I mean, one thing that you can guarantee, I don't know about yards or carry, but when he does take the rock on the receiving end of at the end of that run, there's going to be something physical. Sure. And that's the way he looked and that's the way he plays right now. So you can almost guarantee in the preseason if he takes one on a delay or catches a screen and McVay catches the defense napping and you get one on the perimeter, he is going to flat out fly. So I don't know about how many yards or carries or whatnot, but guaranteed either run or pass, he's going to have one of the longest plays of the preseason. One of the things that I think is great about him is when you think about, I think Les Snead call it this, he can uh, uh, Henderson can bring a Kamara element yeah. to the Rams offense, right? And if you think <laughs> about what Something the, that makes you cuss loudly? Yes. <laughs> Just uh, maybe you call it a change of pace back, whatever you want to yeah. call it. But I think seeing yesterday in practice, there were a few plays that really reminded me of how the the Saints have used Kamara and to a really, really good effect. So one, and this happened with um, the Rams scout team offense, basically against the first team defense. Mm. So, but I think they were still running the Rams offensive plays because you're right. not necessarily game planning, game planning for Carolina yet. But anyway, there was one play where Kamara, excuse me, Henderson was lined up next to Blake Bortles in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So Bortles sends uh, Henderson out to the left and then he runs a little, I don't know, three, five yard out, right? To the mm-hmm. left. That, that is vintage what you see out of Kamara. Just getting yeah. out of the backfield, getting in space, and then you want to see if can he make a man miss? Because oftentimes he can, right? No doubt, right. And so then the next play, I think it was, they ran a screen to the left side as well. So you see what he can do when the ball is in his hands and the fact that he can catch really, really well. That's what's going to give him just this kind of dynamic quality to things that the Rams can already do with Todd Gurley, but it's just it's a different kind of athlete. His size, you know? his speed, and his ability, number one. Like, Kamara, when you put Todd out there, right, If when you move, remove him from the backfield and put him out there as a receiver, yeah. is there any doubt who you should cover him with? Now, not saying Todd can't beat anybody and score with it. We've seen that before. Right. And Sean McVay can dial it up to where you can get him in the end zone or bust a big play. But with Kamara, I think that's the problem. When he's back there and he starts to move out, okay, I cannot cover him with a linebacker. It's going to be hard to, yeah. No matter who it is. Yeah. I think I think my safety may be able to stick him one-on-one. You know what I mean? Maybe. Or we're going to have to combo coverage, right? So that's the Kamara element to me. Plus, he can still take a traditional carry. Yes. If you, if you go light on him or you think you can go light in the box to stop him from running the football. Mm-hmm. So that's the Kamara effect. If that's where Henderson is headed, man, and you, you can get more production out of your tight end spot added to this offense, whoa. Right. Know, unbelievable. Right. 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 So It's going to be hard for Goff to mess that up. You, yes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right. Well, that's and it's interesting because we've heard, um, I think Les Snead said this too uh, after the draft, like this is a position that they have not really had within the Rams offense since 2017 when Sean McVay got here. They wanted to fill this role. They've used a couple of, they've used they did. Dunbar Wait, they, to try to do it. We've seen it, well this staff hadn't, well they had it for a year. What do you mean? They had Are a you going to say Tavon Austin? I, 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 that, I, exactly. They did have Come a guy. I'm, I'm telling that's you. Not, but that's not. But that's the role that they wanted him for, to be that matchup oh, guy. Okay, yes. Yeah, a guy that can take carries like he did, plus be a receiver out of the backfield. Yes. You know what I mean? And it didn't work out. So no. they've tried. It's hard to find those Kamara types. Everyone seems to have a, a similar styled guy, but they're not as effective. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. But the thing is... 
that when you talk about that, they've, I, what I mean is they've tried to find specific players who fill that role as a running back, right? right? So Lance Dunbar was the one that they tried to get it for in 2017, and he didn't work out either because his knee wouldn't cooperate. Right. But God, then I wish he was healthy. Yeah, yeah, me too. But then there was a player that they had targeted in 2018, and he just didn't quite fall to where the Rams needed to get him in the draft, right? Right. So now they have this guy. So this is something we talk about the fact that a lot of what the Rams have done, nearly all of what the Rams have done, is been in 11 personnel. So we see three wide receivers, one running back, mm-hmm. one tight end all the time. How can that change with somebody like a Daryl Henderson? I don't know if that means that they're going to all of a sudden start using two backs at once. Maybe they will, maybe they will not. But you at least have something that can really make defenses stay awake at night. That's, that's another element. Well, of, that's what I thought. Yeah, you'd remove one of the receivers because you think Cooper Cup's taken rush attempts or has rush attempts. Uh, Cook's had rush attempts. Robert, right. Woods, Robert Woods had, what, five or six in one game at one point? Yes. Yeah. He, had, became, he had 19 carries this year. That's when it became obvious there was something up with Todd, right? Because Robert Woods at one point in that game had more carries than Todd did. Okay, yeah. Yeah, was, so... Yeah. Just think, if you remove a receiver or a guy that can catch the football as good as a receiver, but you still have that same misdirection to get those end-around plays just with a faster running back. Right. It just makes you a better a better football team and a better play caller. But I would say that when – okay, we talk about – and I think somebody tweeted this, and I'm sorry I can't remember your handle offhand. But somebody was saying, do you think that Daryl Henderson can fill that Tavon-type role? And I think we'll – and I tweeted yeah. this on – I think that that role specifically is we're beyond that in this offense, right? Because of the way that everybody on the wide receiving core is taking carries, right? right? It's not just one person is faking the jet sweep as they go around. You see Robert Woods do it. You see Cooper Cup do it. Yeah. Brandon Cooks does it. You saw Josh Reynolds do it a lot, and he was taken into rounds as well. So it's in jet sweeps. It, it, it's not like that role is exclusive to one player on the offense. No, no. I mean, he's got to be able to to get the defense to believe that he can beat your run-end pass. And this is something like way back in college, I think it was Arkansas, they had McFadden and Felix Jones, right? Uh-huh. There's two running backs on the field at the same time. Right. So if you caved in on McFadden, they'd give it off to Felix Jones on, on the end around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Running the football, it can be dynamic. I remember that was the best weapon when you put Tavon and Todd Gurley in the backfield. That's how Todd Gurley, they got Todd Gurley going down right. the stretch in 2015, now, was through that. Now, yes. the downside of it was, I don't think many people bought the fact that Tavon could beat you running routes. Yeah. So, if Daryl Henderson can somehow convince a defense that he can actually beat you running routes, then you become Kamara-like. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And there still is a lot to prove from that standpoint. I'm looking forward to seeing him once he gets pads on um, later over the course of this week. But, again, it just you, you see that there's something there. Well, you know, just make sure when he's in the game that Aaron isn't. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if you want to see something in practice, just make sure Aaron's not there because even if he doesn't make the play, he's going to mess up some blocking scheme anyway. It's fun. It is fun to see Aaron Donald at practice in training camp. Yeah. Because it's something we haven't seen since 2016. You know, it's good to have your best player, especially at that position on the field, because it only helps your offensive line get better. Yes. You know, I mean, it takes away all the fear of whoever you might play because you're not going to play anybody not, better than you're that. You're not going to find anybody better. Yeah more intimidating than 99 lining up in front of you when the refs really can't help you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, that's true. Right. Well, he's a, he's if he a, lines up offsides, who's going to care out here? Nobody. <laughs> right. Yeah, Sean McVay, maybe, because yeah. he's going to wreck practice. If he decides to put his hand on your face mask and, and rip it off, try to make your helmet touch your butt, <laughs> you're going to ask him to stop, right? Yes, that's probably. That's all you can do. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, okay, let, let's do this because... I think that we we always talk about this and like we try to figure it out. So who do you think of the undrafted free agents has a good chance to maybe make the team? And we got to do it at the start of camp because then if we get it at the end of camp, then that means we actually know what we're talking about. I don't even have his number memorized, but I'm going with Prohl, Little Proly. Oh, Austin Prohl. Austin Prohl. Because is he number 85? 87. 87, excuse me. Number 87, Austin Austin Prohl. Because uh, I know he's been doing this since birth. 
So okay, for he's the been audience. playing receiver. He's been uh, reading defenses, reading corners, reading safeties since birth. And why do we know this? Because I played with his father, Ricky Prohl. Yeah. Right. So I know <laughs> he used to bring him in the locker room. This kid has been around <laughs> pros. He's not shocked or surprised about anybody he sees on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that he entered the NFL probably bothers him, but it's not going to stop him. So that's. Sure. That would be my guy. Absolutely. Okay. I, I think that that's fair. I would say Simba Walker. Yeah. Um, he is a wide receiver out of Eastern Washington, and I like the way he runs routes. I like the way he seems to be aggressive with his hands, and I don't necessarily think that he's going to come in and play receiver. I think that given what he seems like he can do, he looks like somebody who could be a good guy for Bones on special teams. No doubt. I mean, so, and, and that's, that's the way you—that's the way you yeah. got to make the team as an undrafted guy. And that's big. Uh, you know, I think at some point, you know, this this team turns offensive. Every team does, especially when you start paying the quarterback. And you should, yeah. if you're making that big investment, then most of the assets should, should sip, uh, shift towards the offense. But I like the fact that you have a lot of defensive players still playing special teams because it makes you aggressive. No doubt. You know what I mean? So I, I hope that continues. But at some point, you might see more and more receivers out there. What's interesting, too, is who do we think is going to be the kick returner and punt returner? Because JoJo Natson obviously comes in as the incumbent, but mm -hmm. that is one of the few spots, I think, where there could be some competition. Well, are you are, are you in the situation to where when they do punt it and the ball's in the air, do you still hold your breath when JoJo's receiving it, fielding the punt? Not really. Not really? At one point, you might have. Yeah, but yeah. he was also coming off the injury, so, you know. Right, so then I, I hope that he's going to improve his game as to where he becomes one of the more efficient punt returners in the game. I, I want every punt return to be explosive. I want everyone to touch the end zone, of course, right? Yes. Uh, the, the rule of thumb is one first down per return. Save one for your offense, right? right? Exactly, yes. But with a team that can score from almost anywhere, just be efficient back there. Just don't drop it. Make sure you field the punt. Yes. Yeah, field that's the, the punt, most important it. thing. So I don't care if he returns one more than five yards all, all year as long as he doesn't muff one punt. Right. I think – but. Don't you want at least some kind of dynamism from that spot, right? Like, you want to be able to say, okay, like Farrah Cooper, right? And that was kind of a surprise in 2017, the way he came on and how well he played. But yeah. he made a real difference in those games. No doubt. I mean, and we, I think people always knew he could do something like that. It was just putt return was taken by another guy. It was. So once that was taken away or given away, so to speak, depending on how you look, then he got yeah. a chance to do what he did best and he wound up in the Pro Bowl. Uh, so be it. But, you know, some of the best teams, you don't have room for just the specialist. You know, right. the guy that does right. just one thing. So if I had my druthers, my putt returner would be a corner. Okay. Especially when I'm an offensive football team. Interesting. Yeah. So I won't have to burn that offensive roster spot for a guy that does one thing. Right. Defensively, yeah, he plays corner and he returns punts. I, I don't know that the Rams really have that kind of guy on the roster right now. I mean, it would be certainly interesting to see if they do. Yeah. I, I think seeing who the Rams trot out there for punt returns during the preseason games is going to be interesting. Right. I, I think you're, you're seeing the punt returners and they're probably always going to, they're probably all going to be on the offensive side, but whoever's returning, the, the first most important thing with this football team and this offense is field the punt. Right. So I'm Don't give out, away a possession. Yeah. I, even if the guy is explosive, I'm putting out the guy I trust more right. to field the punt. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I would also like to point out that remember when I kind of called this properly in 2015 oh, with Bradley Marquez? So I have at least a decent track record here. When was Bradley Marquez here? 2015. How long have you been? 2017. How long have you been here? So one out of what? Five, five years. Okay, look at you. Well, I'm just that saying. That doesn't even like, get you in the Cooperstown. <laughs> wow. We'll call it four. I wasn't really here for the start of 14 train. Okay, wow. Yes. One guy, Bradley Marquez. Uh, Hanging your hat on Marquez, huh? I, he was here for a while. I see you. He was a I good like special it. teams contributor. He had good hands. Start calling you Al Bundy. That's fine. You've been talking about the same play for 20 years. Okay. <laughs> uh, any parting shots? Uh, no, the parting shot is all yours. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're just, so you're just going to leave it to of me? Of course, huh? I hate all you right. right now. I'm not so, happy with you. Oh, okay, that's fair. I'm happy so, for you. I'm not happy with thank you. Thank you. So as we alluded to at the top of the show, we have an announcement, and that is that I am going to be leaving the ah. Los Angeles Rams uh, in a couple weeks. So That's what he thinks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to, to be a little self-indulgent, yeah, uh, this has been kind of a, a really 
amazing uh, ride for me for the last five years. And so to leave this, like it's a really great opportunity. And I'm sure that by the time this thing comes out and probably over the next couple of days, you guys will hear what uh, the next opportunity is. But just to sort of, I don't know, guess wrap up my time here with the Rams and we'll have another episode or two to, to do this. But, you know, I, I came in to this job as a fresh face, 22 year old. I don't know about that. It, well, I was. Go T I don't you know. know about that. And, you know, it was July 22nd of 2014 when Kevin Demoff emailed me and I was working this internship in Charlotte, North Carolina and asked me if I had any interest in applying to be uh, the, the the writer, the beat writer for the Los Angeles Rams, or excuse me, the St. Louis Rams. You don't Rams even know what website. you're talking about. Look at you. Man, I'm trying to do something <laughs> nice and I'm really, I'm really no, you said messing fresh it up. Days, you ruined it already. I guess maybe, but, you know, it's... It's pretty crazy that five years later, you know, I received an offer to, to go elsewhere. So I guess life works in mysterious ways. But yeah. I, I do want to say thank you to to Kevin, uh, to Brian Killingsworth for Kevin Orris uh, also for taking a chance on me back then. Uh, Chris Lepakura and then Joy Hurst for continuing to believe in me and invest in me over the last five years. Uh, it, it's like I said, it, it's been pretty crazy. You know, the coaches, players, uh, Les Snead, Sean McVay, oh, they've man. been unbelievably kind. Um, and, you know, it's it, gracious with their time and you know when you walk down the hall yeah. and it happened today as I'm leaving the hotel and you see <laughs> yeah. coach after coach and they all say hi and they yeah, all, yeah, yeah. they're always you know don't gracious you and nice me, oh, I'm not gonna cry okay. I, at least I don't think I have um, but like I said that that's been great um, and it's been great to, to be a part of that um, and I, I truly truly appreciate it you know fans you guys have embraced <laughs> me and you know it's been great building that up over yeah, the last yeah. five years and you know we talk about team mustard and things like that and ketchup certainly does not belong on a hot dog, but what? See, well, see your face is being weird now. I, you can't. I, I should have just turned your mic off. <laughs> no, go I ahead. Can't, no, I can't. I go can't ahead. even do this right. No, right? no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. But no, I mean, I'm messing with you. I, I made really amazing lifelong friends that you know I've I've Ooh. read at weddings. As soon as you're gone, dude, you get hit by a bus. Hey, some of the people I'm talking about, they're not, I'm yeah. some people I'm talking about aren't here <laughs> anymore either. So yeah, I've, I've read at people's weddings. What's I officiated a wedding. Your biggest player disappointment. My Brian biggest Quick. player Brian disappointment. Quick. Be honest. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I always was just talking to you. Right. I, mean, I remember three years ago we we're out here and you're talking about he's the GTO parked in the garage dude, and maybe this is dude, maybe oh this is God. the year where the engine gets round fixed. and round and round. What's what's the best moment and the worst moment? The best moment. Yeah. Well, obviously the Super Bowl. The yeah. Probably in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know there is a picture of me hugging Nikel Ruby Coleman. No kidding. In the locker room. Hugging. That, yes. Or trying to get him out of New Orleans. <laughs> no, I was. I, no, I was. Thanking him. Oh, probably. no kidding. Wow. <laughs> Don't put that in New Orleans anyway. Yeah, no. yeah. So maybe I'll get that framed and uh, and I'll put it in my house somewhere. But What was the uh, low point? Do you remember? Oh, there have been plenty of low points. We don't have to talk about <laughs> What was the lowest point? Well, no, I, I think I'm, I'm to not... remember. How low did we go when you when you took the job? Well, at 4 and 12 in 2016, that was pretty low. Was that low. the one? Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, From there to here. How about that? Yeah. yeah. It, like wow. I said, the, the last two years have been incredible. And I think... You know, this is our 99th podcast. This is we've done, you know, wow. 99 of these between, you know, you, me, JB. Yeah. Um, Serena's been involved a little Aaron bit Donald. as well. Yeah. Yes. So it's great. Um, but you know, I, I will say this to you too. We're gonna DeMarco. get to 100, right? We are gonna get okay. to 100. Yeah. So maybe I'll we'll have, have to handcuff you to the table. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm not done with you yet. Can, can I say what I want to say? No. Yeah. God no. But You're gonna I, start crying. I'm not. You are. You're I about just, to cry. Now. I would like to say something nice if to you. If you start crying, can I do that? Oh God no. I don't want anything nice. That's too bad. So when I was starting out in this job, 2014, 2015, you know, we were still in St. Louis. You were doing the fast lane, right? Yes. So Fridays were the days that you would come to practice because that's when practice was early. And oh, yeah. I loved Fridays because I knew that I was going to be able to talk to you and I was going to learn something about the game. So that's all you get. Stop when we crying. No, I'm not. Stop it. But stop. when we came out here and then we got to start doing this podcast, this this is being able to work with you and being able to do the things that the we've done together. The credits are rolling, Miles. I don't care. You're this is, <laughs> I told you I'm going to be self-indulgent, so I'm going to be self-indulgent. The band is playing, Miles. we got to go to commercial. Doing this <laughs> and doing these things, mailbag, pregame live, doing that with you has been the great joy of oh. my time working for the Rams. So... With that, uh, we will say goodbye for episode 99. Of all 99. my friends, you're one of them. Thank you. 
We will be back for episode 100. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of Between the Horns. If you come to training camp, make sure you stop by the set. Yeah, come man. say hi. We will be around, and we will see you next time.